Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Today we're sitting down with the one and only Katie Offerman. Pretty stoked about this one. We got to talk about ears. Yeah, the ones that go in your ears and your actual ears. Clint Eastwood, the history of the name Toad, her nicknames, homeschooling, growing up in Texas. We dove into meeting Simon Fuller, going to New York, heading to LA, and then making the trip to Nashville to become the Katie Offerman she is today. Let's get to know Katie Offerman. Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Katie Offerman finally up here at Toad's Tunes oh, Studios. Oh man, thanks for having me. Heck yes, I'm excited that you're here. You found your ears. Uh, I found my yeah, my physical ears, all my ears. God, I didn't know you stole them in your office. So. I did. I'm I'm weird like that. I was like, man, I'm going to take a piece of her with me. That's what... It's going to be her in ears. Uh, yeah. So why Toad? Uh, you ever see the movie Grand Torino with Clint Eastwood? Yeah. So remember the little Filipino kid that lived next door? Yeah. He called him Zipperhead, Slant Eye. <laughs> so do you remember when they went down to the basement? He finally went next door and went to the barbecue at the house, and he was down in the basement. So long. Okay. Well, the kid I forgot his name in the movie Zipperhead. We'll call him. Um, <laughs> there was a girl down there, a pretty girl that kept looking at him and kept staring at him. And Clint Eastwood looked at him and said something along the lines of "Toad, you better go get you some of that yum yum before somebody else does." <laughs> Yum, Some yum. of us here at work went and saw the movie, and we all got nicknames, and Yum Yum ended up getting married, and her husband didn't care for the nickname of Yum Yum anymore, so oh there's only Toad gosh. left. So, wow. So 2009, I picked it up, and then I would cool. say probably in 2012, it was kind of one of those things where, hey, man, we're going to start doing music. Should I stick with Toad? Should I go back to my real name is Jeff? Should I? No, you know, Jeff at Stoney's. Weird, uh, right? Toad's kind Toad of a vibe. Toad just, yeah, it's Toad. his own thing. So I like it. That's where it came from. I just from. meant to ask you, so it's good to know. And it stuck. See, you have any like. nicknames? <laughs> Katie is my nickname. That's Caitlin, Caitlin is my full name. Really? But the funny thing is my parents gave me the name Caitlin, but they've never called me that once in my life. <laughs> really? Not, not when they're mad. Like, it's just, it's like the name doesn't exist. So only Even when you're in trouble? Even when I'm in trouble. Nope. It's like Katie. You know, just serious Katie. But my parents named me that because I thought nobody else was named Caitlin that year. It was like a not a popular name. And then apparently every girl was named Caitlin that year. So whatever. I know probably three. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rel. I mean, it's like a semi-common name. Um, but yeah, only time I'd hear it is at the doctor or in college. You know, when you get like enrolled, right. you know, and they have your legal name. They're like, Caitlin Offerman. They read it out. And I'm like, ah, I feel so awkward. I don't know why. I feel so formal. Where were you born? I was born in New Braunfels, Texas, at McKenna Hospital. Um, born and raised Texas gal. Grew up on a ranch. My dad was a horse trainer, and uh, my mom had the real job. And he homeschooled me, and you know, just so you grew up homeschooled and living on a on a ranch. Yeah, an only child too. So like, oh wow, so popular. Um, just so incredibly <laughs> Listen, popular. I had one friend who was my dad. Yeah, <laughs> and myself, and my and my animals. Um, yeah, man, my dad, my dad was like my sidekick my whole life, you know. And then he ended up going to work, and he actually just retired from the FBI last week, and um, quite the career change, you know. But he's just like ranch to FBI. Yeah, he's so the retired. wildest. Yes, he is. And now, <laughs> now he's uh, not working, not in any business, but now he's in my business. So like, he oh, helped you. No, just he's up in my business. Up in your business. Like, you know, where where are you playing this week, baby? Where are we going to go? Does he follow you around? Oh, yeah. He and my mom are very loyal. I mean, like, tomorrow I'm playing with Ian Munsick in San Antonio, flying back. We were just in Texas this morning. Um, and he's like, baby, I rented an RV for tomorrow. I'm like, let's go. So they're just they're great parents and really supportive. They've always, 
you know, God, they've taken me to all my gigs my whole life. How did you get involved in music? Man, I just feel like I don't even know a day that music wasn't part of my life, you know? Like, they're not musical at all, but... Was it I just a you, was it just a, a listening thing that you just? Um, well, I always loved instruments. You know, singing and the artist thing came last for me because you know I'd see like gal playing piano in church and whatever, and I just never started playing. And um, and then from there, it was like I was off to the races. Self taught? Like, no, I thankfully, I always had awesome teachers. And um, what did you learn first? Piano, then guitar. To read music. Yep, always read, read music, and um, you know, I was classically trained on everything, and so that was kind of my vibe at the time. And then it was like, you know what? I don't think I can sit on a chair in an orchestra and have my butt fall asleep, and this get me going the rest of my life. Right. You know, it was like I need more, but I didn't know what I, I didn't. You know, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't even know if there was like a thing out there for that. And uh, I started playing accordion. My accordion teacher at the time, you know, was playing full Oktoberfest bands all over the you know United States, and was like, hey, you know, he's middle-aged. He's like, I just lost my fiddle player, you know. You play okay? And I'm like, I don't know. I just just bought this thing, basically. And he's like, well, start bringing it over. I was doing Suzuki at the time, like very classical, you right. know, whatever. My teacher was pissed when she saw me bring, like, polka songs to the lesson. <laughs> She's like, eh, no, you can Not take this home. Not gonna do it. <laughs> so Terry, my accordion teacher, just taught me how to, you know, what is it like to, like, play a fill or a solo or, you know, go stroll around playing these parties and he opened me up to the world of gigs, you know, music outside of my bedroom or orchestra. And um, so then I was like, oh, man, I got to have some of this. So then I did polka music for a while and it was like, all right, I'm homeschooled. Um, you know, God, at the time I was probably playing polka music until I was about 14, 15. And I was like, I'm freaking getting to an age where I should be cooler than this. Um, I have like wearing clogs, too. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. I was playing cowbells. Actually, we gotten paid. I've gotten paid to play play cowbells um i actually enjoy playing cowbell duets but that's for another another show another time yeah, yeah. um <laughs> we'll throw that one back when you retire yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah just a cool way to start but it, it, you yes. know eventually it was like all right i can't be 60 years old and wake up and still be playing polka music i gotta get back to my roots of country music so my son um wanted to play the drums and yeah. i put him in there's a, a piano teacher here that was phenomenal, and she taught him how to read music. And I said, this is what I want you to do first, because you'll thank me later. He hated it. Absolutely such a great way to it. start. What's that? It's such a great way to start. It is, because then he goes to middle school and joins the band and sits down at a drum class, and he's already played the drums and understands how to read music. So the teacher comes over and hands everybody in the class sheet music, and he's the only one that knows how to read yeah. it. It was kind of a cool thing. I'm going to go back to the classical piano. My first girlfriend, her name was Nicole. Uh, she played piano, and whenever we'd have a tiff, because we were young, we didn't have fights <laughs> back then. We were wow. too young. Um, but she would play Moonlight Sonata, oh. and I was done. Is I was that done. the... Ba -da 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 yeah. <laughs> I was so done. So dark and... Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, man. Yeah. She got me. She had me at... Yeah. It was a great tune, but that's what an what interesting technique. I'm gonna try that with my husband. <laughs> yeah, let me know how it works out. Yeah, I'll send videos. <laughs> I, I'm not with her anymore, so. <laughs> so I don't know if it worked out. Wow. But I just thought it was really cool, but like that's pretty funny. The stuff with with my kid playing drums and everything like that. It was kind of like one of those neat things because a lot of people don't know how to read music. It's just yeah. There's a lot of smart people out there that can just hear something one time and play. Totally. It. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's different ways to skin a cat, man. I mean, I have so many friends that are just phenomenal musicians and players and they've never read music a day in their life never had a lesson a day in their life right. you know whatever and it's like 
you know, that's just the way that I grew up. But God, there's many ways to do it. Do you, would you? I'm not saying you would change, but do you think you missed out on anything by not going to school, or were you just in a small town where it really didn't matter? No, I mean, man, my town has grown. I, I grew up in New Braunfels, uh, in between San Antonio and Austin, and now it's such a hot spot. Um, I think at the time, you know, my parents were always cool because they gave me the option every year of going to school, so I never. It was felt your like, choice. Well, the first year for kindergarten, they were like, "Why don't?" My dad was like, "Why don't we try homeschooling?" I don't know, and my mom's like, "No, that's not a good idea." And then my dad's like, "No, like let's just give it a go. Maybe, maybe Katie will have a better relationship with us. You know, whatever. Try something different." My dad's kind of the out of the box thinker. And so we tried it, and they're like, what the heck? If we screw up kindergarten, like, there's no right. loss. And, uh, she can do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, or just scrap the whole deal. And uh, so then it's, like, it's kind of cool. And I got to go out and, like, ride my horses after, you know, I was done. I mean, it was definitely, I would say, my, my homeschooling. The funny thing is, like, homeschooling has become so much more mainstream, especially since now. COVID. Right. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, it's like homeschooling is, like, a cool thing to do. At the time, you were not homeschooled unless you were just wildly you know, conservative Christian of like, you know, can't leave the house, can't be seen by boy, you know, I mean, just like crazy or super hippie, you know, right. and, and I feel like my case was neither of those two. It was just like, I mean, yes, we we're very classic Texan, woke up, ran down our mile long ranch road, came back, did a nice little classic Texas Bible study from like 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Yikes. And then, um, and then we started school at like 6.30, you know, 7, we were going for it, and I'd be done by like after lunch. And then we go ride horses, learn how to like start a fire with a magnifying glass. In the I think that, who was your teacher? My dad. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So did he have books and stuff like that? Well, yeah, he wasn't just like flying by, he kind of was flying by the seat of his pants. We had a curriculum. And I had, at some point, like, after a few years, my dad's like, okay, we need to get some, like, DVDs. So we ordered the, the <laughs> I mean, he didn't even have a college degree back then. He's right. gotten it since then. Um, but, yeah, the, the program we use, the curriculum, they have DVDs of you're actually, it's a real school that supplies the curriculum. And so you can just watch the school. like And you're done. Day yeah. 252, and you're like, How does testing class. work? I'm so intrigued. So, God, I mean... I just remember I had this tiny little DVD player, you know, and um, I watched all the, you know, classes, whatever. Whenever we ever test, they'd be like, all right, time to take a test. And the screen would go blue and be like, take test, whatever. And then my dad would be like, okay, maybe let's get the test out. And so did he, he sit in class with you every day? Like that I was mean, part he'd of sit, he had like a teacher desk. <laughs> like he would literally sit there? Yeah, he'd sit there like the so whole time. So his whole morning was consumed with the same shit you were doing? Yeah, he was like, we were in it together. Wow. I was homeschooled in the tack room of our barn. So let's just, let, he was probably learning too. <laughs> uh, probably so. He didn't even know how to type when he was teaching me. I mean, he had to take Mavis Beacon typing classes like when I was taking them. Um, but I think so he's rad. such a he's such a great dad. And um, he's an out-of-the-box thinker, like I said. And he's, he's very worldly smart as opposed to just book smart. I think right. it gave Big me difference. a lot of perspective on life. Right. You know, because Is he back in Texas now. Yep. They're same, back in te same ranch and everything like that. Or? So they still have the ranch. Um, my dad stopped training horses and they leased the barn out to a dog trainer and they moved into town. We moved into town to take care of my grandparents, um, my grandfather until he passed away. And then my grandmother was fine. So we're like, all right, I think we're just going to live in town because the ranch was like 20 minutes outside of town. So you're still in Texas, too. No, I'm in Nashville. You're in Nashville. Yep, I moved to Nashville about seven years ago, and um, you know I get back home quite often. But I love Nashville. It's let's, just let's a great talk. community. So, you're doing this polka shit stuff. Um, <laughs> what gets you to Nashville? Like, God, I mean, I feel like my story is so roundabout. You know, the the short answer is, 
I wasn't planning on going. I was planning on going to Nashville at some point, but I didn't have an immediate plan of that. You know, I was doing polka music, then I did country music. I was doing western swing. I was traveling all around. Then I did, hold on. Did you do like the Austin and? I did some kind of in the tail end of it. I was starting okay. to play the Saxon Pub every week and right. like do all that deal. Um, and so, you know, when I was about fifteen, sixteen, I started college young, so I was already in college at this point. And so I transferred up to Berkeley College of Music in Boston and went up there and was like, all right, and my mom was gonna like leave me if I didn't finish college and so it sounds like a relationship but she was gonna dump I'm out dump me <laughs> and um she was like that's the one rule you gotta finish college and so I went to Berkeley finished college um graduated I was 19 and I was planning on moving back to Texas and kind of doing the Texas country thing and then going to Nashville um but the day of my graduation ceremony I was playing fiddle um so Berkeley brings in these uh, recipients of honorary doctor doctorates. Doctorates, yeah, yep, yep. it's fancy words, you know. I've been big in college word. for a while. <laughs> doctorates, <laughs> not even that big. And um, and so my year, it was Carol King, Annie Lennox, uh, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, just like all the losers. Don't even know who any. Of those yeah, never heard of them. Yeah. And so they put together a band backing them up, you know, and they all came and played songs, and this was like our graduation ceremony, and so. Um, I was backing up Annie Lennox, and then I had to sing a song to Willie, and which is like always interesting when you're like singing a song of an artist to an artist. <laughs> so then after the show, it's like I didn't. I mean, I was just gonna pack it up and go home. And Annie's manager, I don't know if he still works there or not. I, I think so, but Simon Fuller, who created American Idol um, at the time, he was still managing David Beckham and J Lo and Carrie Underwood from Idol. You know, right. I mean, he had 19 Entertainment and um, just, I mean crazy British guy and uh, he came up to me and was just like ah, I'm Simon I'm like who the frick are you I've never heard of you I mean I didn't even know his last name at this right. point you know and he's like I work with Annie I'm thinking like okay cool cool story bro um, yeah I'm like I have no hey. idea and he's like what are you doing with, with your life I'm like well I don't know I'm just kind of graduating and um, so he's like here's my card you know send me an email send me some of your songs tomorrow so then I get to the car my parents are running a minivan because they're in town for my graduation and we get back to the minivan with my family and I'm like looking at his car and I'm looking it up and I'm like oh my god this man is legitimate and so I was kind of like freaking out because I had you know all my opportunities you know I mean yeah at that point I played with people like Robert O'Keefe or different you know awesome legendary singer songwriters but I never was faced with this kind of I don't know uh, like flashy scenario sure. you know everything was very like Show up, do a good job, you know, come back, you know, whatever. Just the grind. And so I sent him an email, never expect to hear back. And um, I sent him songs, and within an hour I was like, hey, you know, listen to your songs. Why don't I fly you to the, the Plaza Hotel in New York? We meet for tea and pick you up in a black car and all this stuff. And I was like, <gasps> like what the oh my going gosh, on? is this the Crown Plaza Hotel? <laughs> no, it's did the he, Plaza. Did he think it was your roommate? <laughs> uh so I had a prostitute roommate. Fun fact, everybody. <laughs> All right, go back God. to the story. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so yeah, no, that's uh, it's its own podcast. So um, wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> God. So anyway, um, <laughs> I don't think he, he he. Let me say this. You know, that's a that's a wild scenario. You know, you're 19. You're getting picked up Absolutely. in a. In a random escalate and you're taking the airport and you're flown to the plaza hotel i mean this after your home like, school think about it i mean like there's really yes. not a lot of life experience there is you know my whole thing was is i had a lot of life experience when it came to i was playing shows i was with drunks i was with people that you okay. know were choosing to do drugs or do random you know i 
I mean this in a way of like, I lived life. I saw things. I played music. I mean, it happens. Right. You know, I never partook in anything, but, um, but I think what I missed out on, and which I realized when I got to college at Berkeley, was like just kind of pop culture stuff. Like I didn't know what that's what she said meant. Like right. those kind of things. You know? I guess that's what I'm referring to in that sense. But the idea yeah. of a black car coming to pick you up at 19 in a big city. Like totally. I was like, I was going to New York, you know, yeah. and getting dropped off at the Plaza Hotel. Did you go by Central yourself? Park. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I have no problem. Like, I mean, I've traveled a lot in my life, you know, and even at that point. And so I think for me, it, it wasn't a big deal. It was just like, God, this is so cool. And so, you know, he at the time owned one of the penthouses at the top of the Plaza Hotel. And so when we got done having tea, I went up and met his wife and he was so kind, so normal, so generous. Right. And so I think that was really cool for me to just know, like, his intentions were in the right spot, whether sure. it all worked out or not. And so he wanted me to host this show that was going to take the place of American Idol. This is, you know, this is when I was 19. So it's been a few years and this is when it went off of uh, Fox and ended up on ABC. By the time he was going to put this show on there and it was going to be like a diner's drives and dives, but a music version and, you know, maybe the host of the show, my music awesome. be throughout and hit the road and discover talent, right. you know, hang out with established and that talent. that show never going to happen, did it? And it never happened. It went from me being the host to me plus a guy from the Pentatonix, the group, a guy from, God, I mean, a social media guy that was really big and just a bunch of us. And I remember we all went to Soho House in LA and like men had like a, you know, where they do like a bonding of talent to see if like, if you they get along. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. like, you know, can hang. We did one of those and then we we're supposed to go to MTV and meet because it got sent to MTV, you know, Fox passed on it, whatever. And MTV ended up passing. And so then it was like, oh my God, I'm in LA. I'm working with Simon. You know, I'm like living, like I'm hoping for all these big things, but I realized that I had gotten, yeah, I was actually talking to somebody last night and I was saying, I was talking about those years. And I think at the time I thought that was the closest I had ever been to making it. I mean, I was going to lunch like Simon was like, meet me at Steven Spielberg's home in Malibu. And I'm like, uh, is he going to be there? Or, <laughs> Can um, I get a poster sign? Yeah. I'm like, oh, he wasn't there. Um, but so it was weird. like somehow they're besties and I don't know, you know, so you're like, it's just, I've never experienced those kind of things. But then I realized like that was like the farthest I've ever been from, you know, making it or whatever. And right. so, um, I realized long story short that I needed to figure out what I was doing, who I am, what is my how music? Long, how long from, from, that was about three, well, about two years. So you did this for two years? So I did the Simon thing for two years and I wrote, then I decided was I was he gonna, paying you. He wasn't paying me. I How the hell were you surviving? I was working two juice jobs. Gotcha. You know, okay. I was just like, okay. I worked at Nike in Beverly Hills for a hot second. Then I was like, I'm not touching your fancy, dirty feet. Like, ugh. Um, these people come and just be like, put on my child's Nikes. Um, so that was wow. not, not my favorite. So I was like, I'm just going to do juice because then I can sample myself juice all day. So did that. And then I was like, God, I haven't even like touched my fiddle in a while. I'm not even playing country music and I was writing more pop stuff, but I still, you know, I was desperate for something to work out there cause I got uncomfortable. I wasn't happy, but I was comfortable. Right. Um, do you tell him goodbye? Like I'm done. I got to go. Oh yeah. I wasn't just like <laughs> a go. <laughs> no, I just meant in a sense, no, like, you, you know, just wake up and just go, man, I got to go do this. So you're like, no, dude. here's the deal. I met with him. So his, his their office is in the, the big building on Sunset Avenue and uh, Sunset Strip, whatever. And so we were there meeting. It looks like the Apple store. We're sitting, I'm sitting in this all-white room, you know, and we're talking and just kind of catching up. And 
And he asked me, you know, what I've been up to and kind of what I've been focusing on and working on. And I was like, what are you passionate about? What have you been doing? You know, because he would, I had a day-to-day manager. He'd been going from London to New York to wherever. And he said he was developing this project and he and Max Martin were doing it. And basically they were inventing an artist that was a hologram artist, not like somebody that was dead. It was like if Taylor Swift never existed, the name, she didn't exist. The name didn't exist. Anything. They came up with like Sally Joe, the, you know, biggest, whatever pop, whatever artist that can go out and has no sick days. She's just a 3d image that's out there performing. Killing it. And Max (laughs) is going to write all the songs for it and all that. And I was like, it just hit me. I was like, they're they're in. A, they're thinking about somebody that doesn't even exist. I'm right. over here, Existing. and I, I, what I need is so different than right. what they're doing right now. And it's not their fault. It's just I didn't know what I was, and sure. so that's totally on me. I, I wasn't ready for that position. If the TV thing worked out, then you know that'd have been awesome. But I still think that's a neat concept. I mean, it's a really cool concept. There's so a, there's a lot of stuff out there that that. Yeah, I mean, I look at diners, drivers, and dives. I, I love mean, diners, drivers, and dives. Why wouldn't you? I and love he, it. And I think that when you travel and you go to new cities, it might be the first thing you do is open up your phone and go, hey, man, what what, what places was Guy at here? Yeah, and that's just, what I do. Yeah. I, I mean, think, some I of my favorite restaurants. Yeah. So I think it's cool. And I like the idea of, you know, showcasing talent because, man, there's so much talent all over that never gets recognized, you know? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I think that's why we're so lucky to come and place, play places like here and you know have people like you to help spotlight artists that's like what, myself that's you what know? this is all about so i i want to dive into this i know we don't have an awful lot of time but you moved to nashville yep um i want to talk about your first writing experience well god i don't i honestly don't remember my first co-write in nashville i just remember that when i moved to town I realized because my in my little in story in la was that i kind of was like after i left simon it was like you know, God, what am I doing in my life? So I panicked and I went to Sweden and Denmark and wrote for an extended period of time. Why there? Because um, I had a friend. I said, "Perfect." He was okay. a publisher, and I was like, "Line me up stuff." And he said, "Let's go to Sweden." And so I went to Sweden, wrote for like a couple months, came back, got offered a record deal off those songs with Sony, and they were all super poppy. And anyway, I ended up passing on the record deal, and that's when I was having that like, "Oh my God, am I just gonna? Do I need to go to a dermatology school? Like, I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> I'm going to take a trip out to Nashville. Right. And so I came to Nashville. I had a round trip ticket. Know anybody there? I did have some friends, okay. you know, from school. Just I would go there periodically. I'd go play sure. shows. I'd, you so know. it wasn't blind? No, it okay. wasn't. But it was still wasn't 100%, you know, uh, home yet. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was, no, sure, sure. It was still like, God, I kind of hope I can find my people or something like that. And, um, but I hadn't found my people in L.A. I mean, yes, there Top were down. certain people that are still near and dear to me, but like, as a whole, it's like, God, all the girls in my building were like always naked at the pool, like wrapped in a bed sheet, getting their photo taken. You already had that roommate, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> somehow I keep attracting these women. I'm like, oh my God. I'm just going to say it to you. <laughs> one of the gals that I live, uh, not live with, was in my building that I was almost roommates with. I mean, we texted about me being a roommate, whatever. Now she's Emma on Selling Sunset, like the big show on E, whatever. Okay. She's got massive boobs, really skinny. So whatever. Anyway, so basically I wrote all that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just uh, so L.A. And so when I got to Nashville, you know, I still had my round trip ticket to, you know, go back to L.A. I was going to come here for like two months so and you go were back. Physically living in L.A. at this time? Yes. Okay. Came to Nashville and within a week I was like, God, I feel like I've met more good people. Yeah. I think I have more friends than I had in a week, you know, than three years in L.A. And I realized I need to write better songs. 
And that was my biggest realization was like, I need to get it together. Like I've been, this is, I can do better. Like I've realized that the songwriting community in Nashville, I mean, I knew it all along, but like you don't really know until you get there. That's like, that's a real deal. Well, so those people are all there with with, with a, co- a common interest. Yeah, same. And they really take set. it seriously. Yeah. You know, in LA, it's kind of like uh, maybe we'll start like at five p.m. and then they might like take a smoking Go weed break or whatever. Club yeah. for a little while. Yeah. I'm like, no, I need to know that I put in my time. And so it sounds like prison. Um, <laughs> but I just started writing with anybody and everybody. I mean, God, I wrote with. So you learn, right? Oh, yes. I wrote with a woman that the whole time we'd write, she would convince me. She would be like, Katie, why do people think I have fake boobs? She had so much work done. Oh, my God. She was so fake. And she would ask me, like, why do people think that? And I wanted to be like, because you have the largest boobs I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, all I have to say, I've written with so many crazies. And, um, and then at some point, you write with people that are better than you. And you're like, oh, wow. They're like, they're bringing me up. Like, I'm learning. Um, you know, I'm growing. And... Then you find your crew of people that help realize your strengths and they help, you know, strengthen your weaknesses. Right. And so for me, it was like um, this guy, Ryan Beaver, he's a, he was a Texas artist for a while and now he's just an incredible songwriter and human being, one of my dear friends, and this guy, Joe Clemens. They're kind of, I mean, they've written songs for Hardy and just different people and um, just the best guys, truly. And I just found a crew of people that poured into me. And it wasn't like that initially. I mean, God, the first time I wrote with Ryan, like, I don't think I've heard from him for like a year, you know? And then it's like, we got back together and it was like, okay, like, okay, we could do this again. And we did it again. I think timing is everything when it comes to that. I mean, a lot of the people I talk to about their first experiences, a lot of them are really bad. And and it's, it's, um, discomforting in in some sense, but then you get into and you find your click. I think I always say my favorite thing about Nashville, um, and this genre of music, because I've been involved with every kind of genre you can think mm-hmm. of. And this is the one genre where you guys champion each other. And I yeah. think that's like my favorite thing about it yeah. is, is like, um, I met Allie Colleen. Do you know who that is? No. Um, Allie is awesome. She's her own person. Um, and she's got this friend named Carly Rogers. And okay. I got to meet her, too. And the two of them are just individuals. But, like, I watched them recently. They both put up songs, pre-save stuff, whatever. And my favorite thing to do is like, if it's an artist that I have a connection with or something or someone that I've sat with or someone I spent time with and they put music out, I love watching their core group of people and all these other people just share their stuff. And it's not because they ask for it. No. And like, I'm just one dude in Vegas that, that works at a venue that books bands. And my favorite thing is when I post stuff and then I hear back from them, like Miranda just came out with, Josh Miranda just came out with a new song. Um, something about a beer I, f- I forgot the name of it and then it's it's like i like doing that kind of stuff because for me i'm introducing my followers to people yeah. that, and that's why they follow me is to find totally. music and get to know artists and that's yep. what this is all about but i think there's not another genre out there that's like that there really no. isn't it really man you know the the community in nashville is just beyond any other community you the know, right the community. people you yes. got to get into the yes. right one yeah i think so i mean man I for just the most feel, part yeah, i feel great. so lucky i mean even this week like this past week I had posted this video on my Instagram about, you know, just kind of the realities of, because I think the music industry sometimes can seem so glamorous, you know, it's like, here we are, we get to play for people. This is so cool. And it is, but the reality is it's freaking hard, you know, and there's so many ups and downs and there's so many unknowns and there's also never an end point. It's like, okay, you play the Opry, then you play the Opry, then it's like, okay, well, Red Rocks, okay, then this, or... Okay, Billy you know, 
Billy, yes. Stonies. Yes. Stonies. Uh, Madison Square Garden, right after Stonies. I mean, you know, and but then it's also the thing of like, gotta get a song on the radio, gotta get a number one song. Okay, then you get, an, then get another one. It's anyway, never ending, right? That's all I'd say is I, I posted this thing this past weekend and just saying, like, you know, it's just a reality of it. You know, it's hard. Man, I feel like everybody in my circle, like, texting me was just like, you know, God, you just gotta keep on going, you know, and it was just cool to see all my friends texting me. I wasn't even looking for that. It was just mainly being a voice for other people that um, kind of might be feeling that same thing or people that are across, you know, the world trying to make music and stuff. And well, they might relate to you. And yeah. That's, and that's what your music is about, too, right? I mean, that's the whole goal is to write yeah. music that people can relate to because then... I think that's what transfers who you are to them and vice yeah. versa. I mean, for me, it's like, look, I'm I'm not going to be the same person that, that that girl is right in front. But what I can give her is opening myself up and being vulnerable of, you know, what I used to be insecure about of being my my quirks, maybe, are the things that I think help me relate to that girl that's in the front. But sure. it's like, you, you weren't homeschooled. You no. know, you didn't do polka music, but like my weird you don't know is that. I mean well No, I didn't. God. <laughs> but my weird is your weird, you yeah. know? It's like we are able to connect in the way of like, you know, God, we're just all out here human doing the best we can and um and my way of connecting is music because that's always been like my voice and my way, you know. Speaking of that, um um you should get a dog. Um I listened to that song and I think the first time I heard it I'm like it's catchy and then I started really listening to the lyrics of it and I'm just like that's one of those tunes to me that people can relate to mm-hmm. because I think there's not one person in this world that hasn't gone through something with someone oh. that that is like that 100%. So um where who wrote that? Where did it come from? So the funny thing is I feel like all the moms out there think this song is about like ASPCA like animal adoption because they're just like oh my god yes you should get a dog. No, absolutely um, not. But <laughs> no, it's actually a pretty sassy tune. Listen to verse two. But um, it was the last song we wrote before COVID. That's all I really remember from that day. And I remember my buddy Joe coming in and it was just like what if we wrote this song called You Should Get a Dog? And I remember being like what? And um and man, it, once we got on it, it was like, oh, this is this is freaking hilarious. This is such a real thing, and every person. And the, the thing is, obviously, I'm singing it because I'm singing to a guy. But like, it's right. not just men. This is it's everybody. It's everybody. God, women are crazy. Had my fair share of those. Um, never dated one, but I know as one that we are wild and manipulative. So, <laughs> like, guys can be douchey, but women, we. Something's going on in our mind, you know. I mean, we've got <laughs> we got little tools and tricks out there to be. You guys aren't crazy. dumb. Crazy. No, aren't dumb. we know what we're doing. Yeah. So, um, I just think this is a fun song, you know. I've just I, I love it, and it's been really funny along the way to be in different cities and literally get called by the animal like ASPCA would be like they don't even listen to Katie, it. They don't care. They're just like, can Katie come in and play for the animals and us film it and put it on their uh, on uh, our socials and stuff? And I'm like. I tell my manager, I'm like, that's great. Maybe we should just stick to verse one and chorus one. <laughs> I, I go through this thing, and the trouble with it is that um, lyrically and stuff like that, Nashville's neat. I talked to to Ward about um, a while Love back, Ward. yeah, about getting getting whiskey whiskey jam on the road and doing some yep. stuff, and we had this conversation, and I'm just like, you know, the problem with Vegas is is that people don't care who wrote it. Mm. They just don't. They don't give a shit. Yeah. You look at the Bluebird Cafe, the listening room, and all these options of people to go there, and that's why they go to Nashville is because they're real music fans, and they really want to dive into know. They want to know. Here, it's tough, man. Again, yeah. you can do anything anything in this town at any time. And, like, yep. um, you know, uh, it's just, I find it, 
I wish it could happen. I wish people would dive into where the song came from. But this is a perfect example. They just look at the title of the song and they just assume that that's right. what it's about instead of really getting involved with it. And it goes back to the same thing. Like I joke about CJ Solar. Uh, you know who that yeah. is? So, I mean, up, down, he was part of yeah. one, of the, one, of, one of the writers of that. And I just sit back and I'm like, if you look at the history of where this song comes from and who sang, who, who sang it or where it came from and who the writers are and what it meant to them and yeah. how much fun they had writing totally. the song and what it meant, nobody gives a shit. I know. Not out here. And that's what bums me out is I wish I had an opportunity to take stuff like when Whiskey Jam strips down or these. Right. But I try and get as close as I can. I will tell you faithfully on Mondays, I'm one of the guys that watches Whiskey Jam from my couch. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes, like, on live, like, when they have the yeah. live, I'll get the alert and be like, screw it. I'll sit on my phone. I'll be in bed. And I'll just, like, you know watch Whiskey For me, Jam. I get to find new artists. Yeah. It's a great to, place. And if I have people that I know that are playing, yep. you know, I, I get to go find out if they're wearing my clothing company. <laughs> <laughs> like I need a Stony shirt. I can hook you up with that. Okay. I, I need that. Um, yeah. You need this one, too, right? I do. I need a little toe, a little <laughs> Stony. Um, so... Would you ever consider doing some type of like writer's round night here? Or is that just so not? So I have. So okay. every NFR, I do okay. with Randall King. I do, oh, fun. Um, God, I love Randall. Yeah, Randall's rad. I, I flew Randall out here last year for my birthday. So every year I do oh, a man. birthday. This year I did Sam Grow and Stephanie Quell. Cool. Last year I did Randall King. And that's kind of like what I do. My birthday's in May. And I kind of just find these artists that I like. Yeah. Uh, it was Randall's first show here at that time. And now me and his TM are pretty good buddies. John mm-hmm. Burris. I don't know if, like, they're, just, they're fucking they're, campus. Yeah. They're just great people. So he's coming back here the Sunday, the first Sunday of NFR, and he does Randall King's Tonk, and that's where I met Kylie Fry, I met Jake Worthington. I think I was actually supposed to, I just know that he, I think he had texted me, God, I don't remember who texted me about, maybe somebody that works with him and was like, hey, can you do this round with Randall for NFR? It must have been, it would have been here. And it turns out that I thought it was going to be in Vegas for something else, and I ended up not, so it didn't work out, but dang it, could have been here. So maybe this year. He's doing it again this year. He well, hasn't told me the bands. We've signed the deal. Everything's done. So cool. Yeah, I hope it's you. That would be badass. That would be I would really love awesome. to have you back. Love that, Kylie. That, Good Texas people. So I just brought I brought back um, Kylie. For, I fought for her because I had a show That's during awesome. PBR. Yep. And they're saying it's just not going to work. And I'm like, well, what do I like? What do I need? What does she need? Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, it's the band, and they're on salary like that. And I'm like, what does she need? Because this is the fi- it's PBR. It's fucking Kylie Fry. I need to yeah. get this done because I met her during. NFR when she came and played with with Randall and we did one of these and we just she's just a rad yeah rad she's a cool girl so uh, note to self I do like chicks in country music they're, my, <laughs> they're like they're like ones of my favorites <laughs> that's good I got to get you downstairs it's almost time for you to play right, I want you it. to tell people how to find you online man you can find me anywhere you can find music um, man Instagram is kind of my favorite as far as social media goes so you can go on there and just type in Katie Offerman C A T I E O F F E R M A N um, and then, God, you know, Twitter is probably where I slack off, but it's not you know. Twitter anymore. It's X uh, <laughs> <laughs> or threads or whatever. The fuck oh my it. God. Only so many things I can keep up with, but I am on TikTok. Uh, you can go to Amazon, Apple, Pandora, Spotify, you know, all the places, um, and follow along because I mean, God, I'll be coming back to Vegas soon enough. Yes, you will. If I have my say, say so win it, you will be. Thank I want to talk TikTok real quick. Yeah. Tell um, me. I got it pre COVID probably like. 2020, 2021, 20, I'm sorry, 2019, 2018. I didn't do anything with it. I got the name Toad Talk, T-O-A-D-T-O-K. That's actually really good. Pretty good. I get more requests for people asking for the name than anything. I don't really post much. What I wanted to do is get an intern to come around Mm -hmm. and just follow me. Because you said it before, it's a hard job. People don't understand what you guys do. Totally. So your flight was late today. Yep. Get you late here. 
There's a rush. You know, I just always joke about Vegas and you think about L.A. music and you go, oh, it's hookers and blow. That's what it's all about. But what I wanted to do is actually document the idea of when you guys get from the airport, the car mm-hmm. picks you up, you come here, you do your sound check, we go to dinner, mm-hmm. you do your stuff in the green room, we do the podcast, then you get on the stage. Like, people don't understand what's entailed with it. They have no idea. Yeah, and I think they have zero clue. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of my goal with my Instagram. It's just like, how can I be more honest, more vulnerable? Because people just have no idea. It's just like, you just show up and play and here I am and I'm ready to go. And, you know, right. but it's just not that simple. The last time I was in Vegas two weeks ago, my flight got canceled and we didn't get to leave until midnight. And then we had to fly to Chicago to get a 5 a.m. flight that then got us to Boston. Then we had to get a rental car from Boston to get to New Hampshire. I'm like, that happens quite often, you know, right. where you have kind of like a little just a cluster and you're like, okay, what are we going to do now? Um, so, but you make the best of it, you know? And the thing about music, I always say is like the days it gets you down, you know, the same thing that gets you down, the same thing that picks you back up the next day. You know, you get sometimes you just have down days and the next day you wake up and you get to do it all over again. And that's the cool thing. My so. favorite thing is, is I believe that you're doing what you love. I am. And that's what makes it so rad. Yeah. We yeah. both are. We're pretty lucky. I, um, it's a blessing. It doesn't yeah. happen very often in life, man. I know doesn't thanks again for the time oh thanks for hanging out with me you can sleep in all day leave the house all the mess you'll never complain she'll just smile